This is The Way We Roll, presented by Simon Minty and Phil Friend. You can email us at mintyandfriend at gmail.com or just search for Minty and Friend on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to The Way We Roll with me, Simon Minty. And me, Phil Friend. You may well be listening to this around the Christmas holidays time, in which case a very Merry Christmas or a very Merry lovely time you're having. I hope you're having a really good break. Uh, it's also when we're recording, it's International Day of Disabled People. It most certainly is. You doing anything, when Mr. did Brent? it start? 1980-something? I don't know. No, we had one in Britain in 1980. Am I doing anything? I actually, actually am doing things. I've been asked to do one or two presentations for... Uh, smaller disability organisations. I'm really pleased to be doing that. Small, yes. small people organisations. No, not small people, Mr. Minty. No, see, it's all it's about my, you. Yeah, it's my this territory. is about. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm doing a major conference for small people, <laughs> and you weren't invited. No, it's um, it's disability organisations, but they're sort of local or regional. Brilliant. That's very yeah, cool. I'm, I'm, it's nice to be asked. Uh, absolutely. Well, it is our, our busiest week of the year, isn't it? Suddenly, <laughs> yes. everyone really is on it. Um, Rest of the time, I do nothing at all. We have debated this in previous shows, and whilst we do tease it a little bit, uh, I think we're all right with it, and I think also we know it has. It's a worldwide thing, that's the point. It has an international impact. Yeah, it's an opportunity to party for some people. There'll be purpling all over the place. <laughs> There's lots of purple going on. It's, yeah, I did an event yesterday and I ran out of purple things. So I had to wear a scrappy old purple T-shirt. I mean, I felt awful. Like, this is a proper corporate event. Have but... you got any face paints? Can you do a face paint? Purple yeah, face paint. Too far. There used to be a song when I was a young man called The Purple People Eater. Oh, yeah. Remember that? The Purple People Eater. Um, I don't know if he features or she features. It's not gender specific, the purple people leader. We'll have to drop that in. Uh, <laughs> okay, look that up, people. So um, I'm going to go get all grumpy again. Uh, oh, good man. Good bit, man. What is it? Bit of Christmas cheer for you. Um, this was a little, it's about a month or so ago. Sam Renk, who has been on our show, she's a she has indeed rights person, a very glamorous person. Uh, this was posted 5th of October by Bristol City Council. I won't read it all because it's quite a long job spec. But it, the title is Commissioner Voluntary Post, Bristol Disability Equality Commission. It's an exciting role for a disabled person who's got a strong personal interest in disability as an equality and human rights commission. You will be part of a high level strategic group working to improve the, disabled, uh, the lives of disabled people. Uh, you will lead the work of embedding disability equality in the city. That's part of the commission. Uh, uh, in this role, You'll bring knowledge of Bristol's diverse community, awareness of one issue impacting disabled people, work as a team, be a spokesman for the commission, ensure the work of the commission reflects the community. That should include all impairments. Uh, and it goes on and so on. This role is voluntary. You'll be able to claim, <laughs> claim expenses. The time commitment is expected to be two to three days a month. You You're will joking. You will get some training and support. Uh, free no money sam posted it and then i posted about someone who had approached me recently and sort of said you know well you'll get lots of profile or lots of exposure and i stole that comedian's line of you can die of exposure um <laughs> pay me uh that is a big commitment that's 
36 days a year, potentially. That's six weeks of work, seven weeks of, you know, working days. And there's no payment. And and there's a bigger picture issue here, which is which you and I used to talk about when we worked closely together, which was to do with what you're bringing into the room. You know, in our case, your case, for example, you've been on the planet however many years it is. You've been working in this field for 20 of them. They're getting that for free. That can't be right. Listen, they wouldn't do that with anybody else, would they? Well, so you're a spokesperson. You've got to go out and speak on behalf of this yeah. commission. Um, yeah. It's very different to me from a um, like a, a charity that you become a trustee and you bring your skills yes. and you do this voluntarily. Um, yeah. This is quite epic. And the fact that you've got to do all this stuff, this is a Bristol City Council commission and they're not valuing the people that um, they're asking to give them their advice. I, I, <laughs> there, may, there may be something that we've missed. I mean, the, the event that I was asked to, um, I was asked to chair a conference on valuing employing disabled people. And I said, yeah. well, I said, I'll do half rates because I know you, you're a new organization to me. Let's get, oh, sorry, that, that's contradictory. I was getting to know them. Um, and then they said, well, we know we won't pay you, but we'll put you on social media. And I went, no, I do need some payment. And I said, don't forget, the title of this event is Valuing Disabled People in Employment. You want me to chair this event. The way I'm looking is I'm going to be the only person in the room that isn't getting paid. So all the panelists are getting paid. Uh, or the audience presumably doing their day jobs or the tech crews. So everyone else gets paid except for the disabled person who is chairing the event. I, I had to say no. I, I, so I, I don't know what's going on. Are we being devalued or has this always been the way? What's happening? Well, it's, it, <clears throat> it was something that was around when I started back in the 80s when people would expect me to turn up for things and do it for nothing. And I wasn't alone. I mean, there were a lot of other, I mean, there were far fewer disabled people doing what we do yeah. then, but it was still, they were amazed when you said, excuse me, how much is the budget for this? Yeah. That was that, what? Well, I mean, we rather thought you'd do this for nothing. Oh, really? Um, well, I'm terribly sorry to disappoint you, but that's not the way it is. I always, as you did, I always make a judgment call when it's a charity for disabled people or being run by disabled people. Yeah. I used to take a view that maybe I'd only charge expenses. That would be that. Because there's a value in that too. You don't want to do everything for nothing. But generally speaking, as we both know, because we did it together, we charge the going rate for our consultancy and skills and our ability to chair and all that stuff well and there's i, I totally agree you know huge international corporate might be one level local authority british council yeah. uh, public sector might be a slightly different rate and then your local disability or dpo disabled persons organization now i'm going to do that because you're you're in we're all part of the same group but it's like the big corporates or the public sector are playing into that disability thing as though we're doing this for the common good which we are <laughs> but they have got budgets and money they're, they're not valuing the expertise yeah, they're bringing in i'm prepared as we always were prepared to look at a local authority differently from a corporate you know and you would say we have a different rate for the local council and we know that local authorities, particularly now, have been put through the ringer because of COVID and all the rest of it. So let's accept that Bristol, you know, is strapped for cash. Fine. Okay. Then don't pay anybody else. Yeah. 
ask them all to do it for nothing. The point is, it's about what value they're placing on disabled person's skills. That's what it's about. Now, in your case, <clears throat> someone like you, very, very much at the moment, you know, doing all sorts of stuff, regarded highly by all sorts of people, does has a good reputation to do all sorts of bits of consultancy and all those kinds of bits of work. And here's somebody saying, we don't, we, we'd love to have you, but we're not going to pay you for it. Skills and time. I go back to yeah, yeah. potentially 36 days a year, which in working time is seven times five, 35, seven weeks. And what would you expect to earn? That's the other thing. You've got a business to run. So, you, you know, you're going to give up exactly. 35 days income. And how are you going to make that up? By charging everybody else more. Well, thank you very much. That's well, a pity. I've... Come on, Bristol. You can do better than that. And Bristol used to have, I remember Bristol Council back in the 80s and 90s, pioneering stuff around disability. They had some really exciting programs around disability stuff. And just as a side one, I got sent a job spec for an energy company and they said, we want you to be on a panel. It's about customers. I sent you a text message about it. Uh, we expect potentially two days a month. And I think it's something like £13,000 a year. And I'm like, that's how you do it. Yeah. That is valuing you, uh, respecting you. It's not crazy money, but it's a really nice, what's the word? Uh, it's it's well, just it's... everything is is quite right about that. Yeah. You're, 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 you're going to be able to do it without having to put other things at risk. Yeah. And, you, you know, yeah. Well, okay. Well, out. Oh. If you enjoy the way we roll, please do like and subscribe. New topic, Abby. Um, <laughs> Poor old Abby. We're going to carry on with Bristol. What's happening in Bristol now, Phil? Ah, honestly, that's a very good. I hadn't spotted the seamless well. link there, Mr. This is why you're so good at what you do and why you deserve to be paid. Well. Actually, we're not getting paid a bean for this. This costs us. <laughs> Why don't we do it the other way around? I'll pay you if you pay me. Like it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, Bristol. Bristol I do again. really like Bristol. that idea. I just feel slightly better about it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be any better off, but you and I pay each other. Yes. <laughs> well, in a sense, we do because we share the expenses. I have to do a reconciliation with you over something because you yeah. do it the other way around. So, you know. It all goes yeah. out. Nothing comes in yeah. anyway. People's, Rep People's Republic of Podcasting. Right. Now then, this is... Um, this is a slightly more serious issue, actually, in, in some way. Not, not that the last conversation wasn't serious. Um, parents, a parent in particular in Bristol, has a very severely uh, learning disabled adult son. Um, and she and other people in a very similar position, i.e. other parents with very severely disabled, learning disabled, specifically learning disabled, although they may have other uh, physical impairments too, um, became very concerned about the fact that in public their adult children were being bullied or, or, or vulnerable to abuse, verbal primarily abuse. And this led them to think about where are the safe spaces for people with these sorts of impairments and concluded there weren't any. So we have adventure playgrounds and playgrounds for children, but we don't have a safe playground for adults with severe learning disabilities in this particular case and so they came back they campaigned for it and got fifty-three thousand um, signatures on on petitions and so on 
And Bristol City Council um, are going to pursue this and see if they can help provide a facility for people affected by this kind of situation. So I read that and I thought, yeah, this is interesting. And here we go again, people being scapegoated and bullied and all that kind of thing. And it has to be said that some of these adults clearly behave in ways which are unusual for adults. You know, this should be... Um, so a safe space makes sense. And then I thought, but the people with the learning disabilities aren't the problem. It's the people doing the bullying. Yeah. And I thought integration. And I thought, why should we all be put away somewhere because other people don't like seeing us kind of thing? Don't get me wrong. I think what the this is a real difficult one. Yeah. I think the parents are really very upset about what's been happening to their young uh, young adult children um and wanted to do something about that and this seemed to be a good idea but on a kind of more philosophical disability rights level um it left me feeling uncomfortable um what, what do you think summer what's your take um I, i'm with you this is you, you i could argue this a little bit both ways uh but i have got a fundamental issue that why could the person not go to the same playground as everybody else and just get on with it? That That's the sort of fundamental base point. Let me clarify for the sake of being weird. Is it is it that other people don't like seeing them or is it actually that just other people are bullying them? I mean, I know they're slightly the same, but not the same. <clears throat> it, I think it's hard to know about the first one, i.e. are they seeing them? I, I suspect there will be some of that, but no, I think it's more likely that they were name-called and they were... There was verbal abuse and various things of that sort, which the parents clearly were very worried about. So it's not the um, other parents going, I don't like your child being around my child. This is other people. Not as far as I can understand. Yeah. So and I, I'm bordering on the kind of hate crime. Yeah. You know, there's a... And and that's the bit for me, which is the, I want to sort... I, I want to move the thugs and the teasers out. They have to go to their own one. It's that classic bit, you know, you're on an aeroplane and someone sits next to someone with a learning disability and that person says, oh, excuse me, I don't want to sit here next to that person. They go, okay, we're going to move you to economy. You, Whoa, no. I, I, you know, it's like you have to move because you're the problem, not the other person. Yeah. So I, I'm sort of with you now. The, the, the problem we got with that, though, is well-meaning parents who are going, I don't want my child to be put in the middle of this and so their intention is absolutely spot on it's about you said it a safe space where they can just get on and i also think of conventions so i get to hang out with all my short people that's a safe space you know we know there's not going to be any grief or bullying actually i need to qualify that that will still happen but it generally doesn't happen on the basis of being short uh so there i'm safe but but I don't want to spend my whole life there. So what happens when the learning disabled kids leave that playground and go back to life? The other side of this story, which I'm interested in, and there's no there's no clues in the piece, is who's speaking for the learning disabled adults. Now, I have to tread very carefully here because I'm a big fan of carers. I'm a big fan of people who support us, but I'm not a big fan of them talking for us. So I'm kind, and I know that with severe learning impairments, it is difficult sometimes for people to express their point of view or their will. And parents do know their kids. There's no doubt. You know, I think I know my kids pretty well. 
So I feel reasonably confident that I could express an opinion about what might happen to them. But there is that line too in this story about where is people first, for example, where are the learning disability charities, voluntary groups, DPOs, are they working alongside this to see, do you know what I mean? To see if there's another solution. Of course. And you'd think the other solution is people first come and do a lot of training with the the people who are taking the mickey or being horrible bullies and get them, steer them on the right path. I've got two quick points. One, it reminds me of the old line, oppression of kindness, where yeah. parents are doing good things, but actually it could be slightly oppressive because it means I'm booted out to another place. And that's not the intention. Um what about the, we call it relaxed performances at the theatre? So people with some sort of learning difficulty or involuntary noise or whatever it may be, they go to the theatre on this day because if they go on the other days, it could cause disruption to the rest of the theatre. Now, this is very contentious and very difficult. At the moment, our stopgap is relaxed performance. Anyone can go, do whatever you want to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the balance there is, but, what if I can't go on that date? Um, yeah. So I'm trying to work out on this one. Did the people with the learning difficulties, are they causing any disruption or are they literally just the, the victims of bullying? I suspect that there will be some behaviours which are unusual from adults in the normal round of things. So I think these young adults with their learning disabilities might get very excited about something, might, you know, uh, make lots of noises. I don't. I don't know, Simon. If I'm really honest, but it, you know, my experience tells me that that is a possibility. That learning disabled people like this might well be making, but the sheer fun of being out of doors and going on something. You know, I, you know I mean, I need to correct myself as well because watching a serious piece of theatre where you need to concentrate is very different from being in a kids' playground. Yes, it that is. is where yeah. you're meant to make lots of And because yeah. kids, it, it, you said it, it's a kids' playground. Yeah. It's not a grown-ups' playground. Yeah. And although these are grown-ups, they are functioning in ways that might be childlike in some regards. So, But to present them with their own playground seemed to me to be a bit of a step too far. Could we find other ways of uh, doing it? But I have no, as usual with these things, I have no answer. Is it, think. Is it optional? I can go to my playground and know that it will be stress-free. Also, we're assuming that all learning disabled people don't bully each other. I mean, that could happen too. But, <laughs> yes. You know. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, I was at special school. I remember being the bully. Absolutely horrible. There person. are those learning disabled gangs on gangs crimes that we've got <laughs> to sort out. So, I mean, they, that could still happen but if it's optional. So I can go there or I can go to the, you know, publicly open one. Yeah, okay. It's for me. It's about, and the, I, I, I feel for the parents because the real issue here are the name callers Absolutely. and the bullies and so on. But in order to change them, um, we've got to spend years. We have been spending years, and it, the journey goes on. Maybe what we need is uh, Bristol Council who don't like spending money on things <laughs> like disability <laughs> consultants. See, here we go. Here's some free advice, Bristol Council. We're not charging for this. Perhaps they could have patrols around certain areas of play right. when learning, you know, where they would they would pick up on. I mean, I said hate crime earlier, and I'm not joking about it. If you know, there's a line here, and so to offer more protection to the families that want to go and in quotes play, 
um, we should heighten patrols at certain times of the day, maybe, or something like that. Can you use a different word, just like supervision. Patrol sounds like dogs and guns and guards and stuff. I mean, they're no. just, you need a bit of supervision. Is that what you're saying? No, the community needs to be arrested and charged. <laughs> serious. <laughs> All right, I'll change the word patrol. I'd Policing. Like... Policing. And maybe snipers. We could have some snipers. Snipers. Yeah. <laughs> Positioned on the, the I think the you're taking this so. a little far now. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I take your point, um, and I can see this is awkward. I'm also, it's a little bit, what are we, what my phrase I'm looking for here? It is amazing it's still kicking about. You want the world to be a little bit better and smarter all these years later, and yet still we've got this level of um, uh, bullying or intimidation. It's horrible. I think, I I applaud the families for trying to do something about this, and I applaud the and the, and the idea seems. I just it just echoed a bit. I felt uncomfortable yeah. after I'd read it, and I feel for them because the, it's not their fault. They're not the people that we should be looking at here. See. But anyway, okay. Thank you for your thoughts on that, Mister Minty. Gratefully received. Thank you for listening to the way we roll with Simon Minty and Phil Friend. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. So, um. Parking. Yeah, I had. Um, I went away for a, a night and two days, um, which was brilliant. Actually, I haven't done it since COVID, and um, it worked very well from the point of view of the conference and all that stuff. But I had the usual hassles. It's been two years since I parked my car in a car park, mm. proper car park, and here we go. This was in Birmingham, good old NCP. I'm going to name check NCP, stands for National Car Parks. Um. Parking, not a problem. Loads of disabled parking bays. Parked the car, got out, no problem. First thing, door, very heavy door, which would not open because it was jammed. It's to, in the mid which to, to leave the car park? Yeah, so I'm on a, I think I'm on level three or something. I've got to get to level one or yeah. ground. Um, the first part of that process is to go through this door. What they've very conveniently done is stick a ramp on either side oh. of the door. So, and by the way, I have got a wheelchair, a, a wheelie suitcase. Yeah. Just imagine the scene. You're in a powered wheelchair. You've got a wheelie thing and you've got to go negotiate up a ramp through a door that's stuck yeah. on the other side. So I did it. I managed it. I mean, God knows how I managed it, but I got through it. Could I ask, is it just a straight ramp or did it have slopes either side? Because if it's a straight ramp, your suitcase falls off. If it's sloped on either side, it rolls away. How Did you have to put it in front of you? Your yeah, and it yeah. sloped either way. Oh, so oh. as soon as I went through the door and I yeah. let the suitcase go because I had to, yeah. it shot out and disappeared. And then I realised that if I turned right, and my goodness me, there wasn't much room, I went down the stairs. Oh, my life. It was a flight of stairs immediately to the right. So there's the lift. The lift is minute. For me, in my chair and a tight, you know, suitcase. But I somehow got in that. Then I got out, only to find that I couldn't open the door because you needed a QR code, which didn't work. I'd got it on my phone. That didn't work. Somebody came in as I was going out, so I got out the car park, scanned my QR code, didn't work. Went off to the conference, had a very nice time, came back, couldn't get back in the car park. Me and three other guys are now trapped outside. None of their cards worked. They all had different cards and phone apps and whatever. None of it worked. So we get on to control. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, a very nice person said, yes, I'll, I'll 
check this. I've got to check first. In the meantime, someone came out the door, so all three of us went straight in. <laughs> and then, of course, you had to pay. So it, but some of the, it was two things going on for me. One was dis disability specific. How are you supposed to travel independently in a wheelchair when the doors are so heavy and not automatic, when you've got ramps in all the wrong places? And then there's the everybody is disabled by the technology. None of it bloody worked. And it's all very whizzy, and I'm very impressed with QR codes when they work. When they don't work. So I just thought a deaf person, what do they do in that situation? Because they can't communicate with this voice. Can't hear it. I mean, anyway, thank you for listening. No, no, no get it off <laughs> just, just, man. Did you, really uh, annoyed me. Uh, you know what I'm going to ask you. Did you? I totally agree that arrival and that process I went to a hotel in Manchester uh, and they had disabled bays outside the front door and there was five of them and it was really obvious and then the doors are automatic and that's what you want. It was a joy. Yeah. But that really. arrival is critical, isn't it? Because it sets you off and it sounds like yours. Is and also, you know, you've just had a long drive. You have. It's, it's late. You're trying to sort, you know, everybody gets a little bit stressed when they, they've got to check in hotels and do all that other stuff that comes with travelling around. Yeah. Um, but the car park did not help. And have, have you written to NCP? No. Are you going to? No. Well. Because this show yeah. is listened to across the world, and I know that the listeners, the thousands and thousands upon listeners that we have, will be making their feelings known to NCP car parks. I know they will be. I okay. trust the listeners. I have a feeling you will be at the NCP Christmas conference as a <laughs> keynote speaker. <laughs> and they'll put ramps that are slippery and slidey all on the uh, stage so you can't get up. <laughs> There'll be dartboards going up all over NCP yeah. car park, obviously, with my effigy on them. <laughs> well, and we have got your slides, sir, but you need a QR code. Oh, for Christ's yeah. Um well, I, I, I anyway, with you. I, yeah, okay. It was nice to go away, though. I did. I mean, I did have some apprehensions about doing all of that, and of course, as we speak, listener, we've now got the new variant COVID hitting town, and masks are being worn again. All that stuff. Okay, I'm going to go personal though. If COVID wasn't the bit. This was you going. Can I still do this? Yes, absolutely. No, good point. Good point. And how did it um, feel? I, I could do it, but it was dodgy, dodgy. Yeah. In the two years that I haven't travelled, I've obviously lost some more um, strength. Yeah. So some things were a bit difficult. But it, it was okay. It was lovely to be with people. That bit I really liked. What about confidence? In what sense? Well, I always think it's a double. It's physical capability, but it's also confidence to do it as well were you fine on or just about okay on both of those? i'm thinking you're not as old as my parents but my parents could drive but they're losing a little bit of confidence about yeah. it yeah the traveling and all that stuff was not an issue the issue for me is can i manage in the hotel yeah okay the, the bedroom bathroom scenarios i'm just worried the confidence for me is about falling it's about having an accident and not being able to cope with that yeah um so at home, you know, like you at home and your parents, you know, at home, everything's set up for you. So it's all, it all works. But I managed it okay and I would do it again. It didn't, um, I did say to Sue when I got back um, that I'm beginning to recognise I would, if I'm going to do some of that stuff, she might have to come with me. 
And that really filled her with joy. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm trying to think. If uh, Jane used to come with me to some stuff, but it was because we'd go to an interesting place and then she'd go out for the day. Yeah, and, it, and that's what Sue's done that once or twice with me because we're going to somewhere nice. She just wants to, Edinburgh. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to go to Edinburgh, for example? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, well, anyway, we'll see how we get on. I think the world has moved on a bit, hasn't it? We're doing lots of this now, the Zoom stuff and uh, yeah. and so on. But it was what was most lovely was to be with people that I've Zoomed with for two years and see them all again and uh, just be in their company, really. It's good. You're listening to The Way We Roll with Simon Minty and Phil Friend. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review or search for us on social media. As always, well, not as always, because sometimes we don't have him, but we have got Jeff Adam Spink with us today to do what he normally does, which is enlighten us and educate us and give us something worth watching. Christmas isn't far off, Jeff, so perhaps there's something in your sack that you want us to pay a bit of attention to. <laughs> oh. Well, yes, and I, I have to say, by the time this podcast is uh, in the public domain, my name will have changed from Adam Spink back to Spink. I, I got hitched with Caroline Adams in 1997. We got divorced in 2004. Here's the soap opera of my life. And uh, when I married my lovely wife, Dawn, in July, we decided we would both be called Simple Spink. So I'm changing mine back from Adam Spink to Spink by deed poll. So that's done, and I'm now Jeff Spink. So that comes as a relief to both of us because we always put the S's in the wrong place, don't we, Jeff? As you, So you are Jeff Adams Spink at the moment, but will soon be Jeff, Ad, uh, Jeff Spink. I'll be Jeff Spink by the time your listeners listen to this podcast. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so... There we go. Anyway, what's in my sack? Yeah, what's in your sack? Well, um, I mean, Christmas is a family time, as we know, for, for many, uh, and that can be a mixed blessing. Sometimes it's great to get together. Sometimes, you know, uh, Uncle Fred snores in the corner and makes a bit of a fool of himself having had too many whiskeys or whatever it is, and all the old tensions come out about that Cortina that he crashed in 1973 and didn't pay for, <laughs> all that stuff. But... Uh, if you want a really good family saga, I want to recommend uh, a book called Moving by Jenny Eclair. Now, Jenny Eclair, I've already given her a plug on a previous episode of The Way We Roll for her little Lifetimes um, broadcasts that were on the BBC. And this is a great um, book that I started to read and think, OK, it, it starts with a 70-something lady wandering around her house, obviously desperately lonely, and as she moves from room to room, because she's about to sell it, all the memories of life in that house come flooding back. And you think, OK, it's a sort of Alan Bennett type, lonely old lady type saga. And that's where it's going. But no, uh, Jenny Eclair isn't happy with that. So she we tell we tell Edwina, the, the lady's story, um, and she tells of all the family tragedies and you know, she hints at the fact that she's no longer in touch with either of her twins, the children that she had. And she had a desperately sad relationship with her stepson, Lucas. Um, but we don't quite find out why. And then the narrative completely shifts to a young girl studying drama in Manchester in the 1980s. And she is sort of tangentially linked to Edwina's family. So we get to hear the story 
from a from another end and actually uh, this this uh, new narrator fern is uh, having a relationship with Ed, edwina's um son charlie um and then finally when we've heard fern's story and charlie's story and i won't give away the ending because it's uh, you know that's not the way we do things here on the way we roll is it no spoilers uh, but finally uh, another narrator takes over and that's lucas the stepson who is uh, a pretty nasty character and Edwina never got on with him when he was a child he never liked her kids she never really liked him but she tried her best to, to you know to to be good to him and we we come to him when he's in his mid-50s a bit corpulent uh you know a bit a bit jaded and a bit fed up with the world uh and I again don't want to spoil the ending but there is shall we say a glimmer of hope and redemption at the end of the book and it all weaves together incredibly well and it tells you exactly uh you know why families uh stick together and why they repel like uh you know same poles of the magnet in some points and and how these things how these small things in life can intersect and collide and cause sometimes seismic shifts in the way family dynamics work thank you jeff um uh, being, being Jenny Eclair, it's all done with, with, with great panache. And I know you're a big fan of Jenny Eclair. Um, the question, the moving in the title, is that, is Edwina moving or what, where's that come from? Yeah, Edwina's right. moving house. Okay, that's the beginning. So, so she, she's going around her house and yeah. she's actually going around with a young man from the local estate agents. Right. And, and while she's talking to him, she gets lost in a reverie of, you know, oh, this is where my kids used to do their colouring. And this is where I had my first row with my second husband. And it's 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 a cracking yarn. And it's very, very, very listenable or readable. And what's the investment of time, Jeff? The audiobook. For, I always ask the same question of you, don't I? How long is the audio? I think it's eleven hours oh, or okay. something of that of that ilk. I'd say if it was a paperback, you, you, you'd be looking at a couple of hundred pages, maybe a bit the fat end of two hundred pages. Right. But it's. I would say it's a great book to to sit down with over Christmas with a glass of something nice, whatever you consider nice, and uh, you know to put 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 your. Um, noise cancelling headphones on and drown out the din from the telly and the, and, and the family arguments. Okay, as Jenny Eclair and moving and your second cultural recommendation. My second cultural recommendation is French this time. It's called Baron Noir, it, the Black Baron. Um, and it's, uh, well, The Guardian describes it as House of Cards meets The Sopranos. <laughs> it's a brilliant tale of political skullduggery, uh, manoeuvring, it, it, it centers on um, uh, a larger than life character played by a French Algerian actor who's who's got huge, huge presence and who has massive charisma and who is avowedly left wing, but who gradually gets consumed by this thirst for power. Uh, it goes over three seasons. And the things he gets up to, you know, that he he's pretty rotten to his friends, let alone his political enemies. And he's prepared to break all the rules for what he sees as the right reasons. But as as the series progresses, those reasons become, in the end, pretty self-serving. Now, there's an awful lot, I have to say, of, you know, uh, French po French political jargon in there. But I think 
it, it gets lifted beyond that be, by the performances of the actors and the the sheer scale of the drama. I mean, I would say it's up there with things like Succession, with Marseille, with Breaking Bad. It's, it's really drama on a grand scale. And uh, this Bal Noir does, in the end, uh, shall we say, achieve something quite incredible in terms of his own political ambitions. But I'm genuinely interested in what it is that attracts, because I'm like you, I love French films. I, the subtitling never bothers me. There's something rather magical about a French film. What Do you have any view on what that is? Yeah, because I, I think I fell in love with French cinema when I was learning French at school. And, uh, you know, the BBC used to show French movies, the sort of the, the new wave of French movies, which, you know, to a 15 or 16 yeah. year old were great because they Sexy showed bits. like lots of naked, lots of naked ladies. Um, I think uh, French TV and film production doesn't shy away from gritty realism and it doesn't have to have a happy ending. So I think I think there's a sort of let's let's get the audience and really shake them up a bit i think that's the, that's their mentality let's make people think a bit let's 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 get people out of their comfort zone my question is um you said succession uh, sopranos i mean this is high praise is it that good or it really is that good it really is that good and it's got it's got elements of slight farce as yeah. well uh, at one point he thinks that the, the or he knows that the uh anti-fraud squad uh, are coming after him and he's massively quickly trying to sell stuff from his house just so he's got enough cash to put back in the bank to pay to pay back the slush fund that he created from a public housing project <laughs> to finance a, a, a political campaign you know there are moments of, of, of great sort of humor as well sort of a, a, a bit like the thick of it if you remember the Armando Yanucci series uh, where do we find this uh, the Baron Noir well You'll be pleased to know it's not on Now TV, Simon. <laughs> it's it's on Amazon Prime. That's the good news. The bad news is it's not in, if you're an Amazon Prime member, it's not included in your membership. You have to buy it. Come on. Okay. So, it's well worth it, it. It's well, well worth it. I think you've watched it. everything on Netflix and, and Prime. So now you're just going to stuff you've got to pay for. That's what we're getting, isn't it? <laughs> what what I'm what I'm trying to do is is do the whole of Prime, the whole of Now, and the whole of Netflix, so that I can say, yeah, watch that, yeah, watch that, yeah, watch that. Well, I think, I mean, that's good because um, if you just want to spend Christmas relatively quickly with something, that sounds like Jenny Eclair's book, Moving. And if you want to chill out for the whole of the holiday and see nobody, then you get involved in Black Noir. What was the actual title? Baron Noir. Baron Noir. Quick. The Black Final Baron. question Black. for Jeff. Uh, your best Christmas movie? What should we be watching? What's your classic? Ooh. My go-to Christmas movie? I don't think it ever gets better than The Great Escape. Oh. Bloody that's hell. That's shown at Christmas, deal. but not a Christmas-themed yeah. movie. It's not exactly, you know, full of comfort yeah. and joy, but every time it's on, I cannot help but watch it. Goodness me. And I know how it ends. Everybody knows how it ends. Doesn't matter. Jeff, as always, well, we have to wish you uh, a very happy time over the Christmas period. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Jeff, and have a lovely time. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. Thanks See a you lot. See you next year. See you next year.
listeners, we are going to Listener's Corner. Um, we've had two out of the last three podcasts, the one we did on ableism with uh, Professor Campbell and the one we did on uh, chronic illness and long-term health conditions um, with three guests have gone through the roof. They've been our most popular shows and inevitably that means we get more contact. So thank you for getting in contact. One of them, Phil, you will not believe this. There was a person called, or their Instagram title is this thing they call recovery. Um, And this individual has got a big following now, I think it's a she, uh, forgive me if it's not, but she posted it and we suddenly got 60 new followers on Instagram, all of which seem to be 30-year-old women with chronic health conditions. So welcome to all of you. I, I'm thrilled that you've come and started listening. So this thing that we call Recovery Instagram, um, the person said, I recently listened to a podcast, by the way, we roll, that discussed the interwoven complexities of chronic illness and disability. Uh, In it, Catherine, a founder of Chronic Illness uh, Inclusion, mentioned how long it can take for someone with a chronic illness to identify as disabled or to feel disabled enough to use the term. Um, This individual does a huge, uh, it's a lovely text about how she was working it all out, how long it took. Just jumping to the end, I am disabled and I use the word because I can. It helps me legally to fight what I did for what I deserve because it's a gateway to a supportive community full of diverse individuals. I use the word because it sums up my experience. I use it because I am. Um, it took me a long time to feel that like I could say that. Now I say it without question and I don't doubt myself. Uh, so thank you. I, I did ask if they would do a little audio, but we didn't quite get it. But um I don't know. I was just chuffed. It was lovely to see that. So thank you. This thing we uh, they call recovery. It was a, a really lovely comment, and I'm so glad you got something out of the podcast. And I'm I, I'm pleased because we don't actually have an Instagram presence, do we? Really, we're not sort of Instagramming that much. We do, yeah, but not. Well, it's not a. It's not so. I don't. It's not in our address when we do our little thing about you know Phil and Simon, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I'm being pernickety. We do have a presence. It's just that we, it's not, it's not uh, one we, the number yeah, one thing yeah. we go to. But it is now. Very encouraging. <laughs> Very encouraging. With all our new yes. followers. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, yeah, we're on Instagram all the time. I, I've, got a, I've got a correspondent from Natalie, Natalie Illsley. And Natalie, I'm sure this is connecting to, again, the energy-limiting conditions conversations we're yeah, yeah. having. And in that somewhere, we did talk about um, palliative care. I can't quite remember how that arose, but Natalie picks up on that. And she says in her uh, email to us, you said in the episode that there are painkillers that eliminate pain for people who are in palliative care. There are some people like me who are genetically predisposed to have horrible hallucinations in response to opiates. The hallucinations are as bad as the pain. People like me may want the choice to end our lives if the end of life is near and we are in extreme pain and there is no way to relieve that pain. And that links to the podcast we've just released where we talk about assisted suicide and so on. I think in the conversation we were having, pain, of course, is hugely distracting. It's very difficult to do things when you're in enormous amounts of pain. And the use of modern medicines um, can do an awful lot for that was the point I think we were making. But Natalie points out there's always some groups or some individuals where that isn't going to work. 
So thank you, Natalie, for, for pointing that out and, and bringing that to our attention and for taking the trouble to write to us. That was very, very kind of you. Uh, seriously, Natalie, we adore people who correct us as well because we, you know, we spout our stuff and um, and we don't get it right. And there's stuff that we have to guess or assume. I mean, I agree, Natalie's right. You know, we can take painkillers, but it doesn't mean to say that all the pain's gone or we can't always take certain things, but um, it's lovely. And there are people who have a genuine, you know, we know there are lots of people actually who have a genuine genuine fear about taking medications they don't want to do it they just want to try and manage it in other ways as we heard on the the conversation with our three guests I, you yeah good it's a slight digression you reminded me I, I i've been having some pain on my other hip the non-replaced one and i just pop ibuprofen or paracetamol like they're smarties i mean i i've got to watch this because it's very easy to start, mm. you know, suddenly you're on eight a day and it's all like that. And I'm thinking, but uh, it's so lovely. I take them and then half an hour later, some of that pain is gone. And this is, you know, lightweight paracetamol. But um, thank you very much for those of you who contacted us. Uh, it is adorable and lovely to, I'd rather say adorable. It's lovely to hear from you. <laughs> um, and we're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are also on Instagram, as you now know, with all our new followers. And we've got an email address. We have, and it's the <laughs> – you try every time to catch me out, don't you? I nearly managed it. Uh, mintyandfriend at gmail.com. And the irony is I've forgotten our email address. So if Phil didn't know it, we would be stuck. But, um, yeah, drop us a line. Put us on the straight and narrow, come up with ideas, whatever you want to drop a line, get it off your chest. We always welcome that. So thank you. That, we're nearly at the end. But of course, at this festive time, it does feel a bit early-ish to be saying festive time, but we're not far off, are we? Well, don't forget, we recorded a bit earlier, but they may be listening nearer the time. They could be eating their Christmas pud. I think they're in the bath Christmas morning getting ready for their big day. Uh, if you don't do Christmas, whatever your afternoon. Dare be. I mention Paul Nyhill? Yeah, 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 he will be in the bath, won't he, Paul? Paul, are you in the bath? I... Um, sorry, go on. Go on. No, I was just going to say, I've just got this image now, listeners in bath. Oh, hello. Um, no, I mean Christmas. Let's hope it's that between now and oh. yeah, no, no, without encourage your singing. Oh, and God so this Christ. is Christmas. Oh, blimey. <laughs> Uh, complaints will fly in on Instagram. We'll have 70 people signing off. Um, no, I was just going to say, let's hope Christmas doesn't get, you know, wrecked by what's happening at the moment. Um, so we're we're guessing that Christmas is safe and that you're all going to have a lovely time with your families or doing whatever it is you do at Christmas, whatever that might be. Just putting your feet up and watching terrible telly. Is it wrong of me to say, but if there is another lockdown between now and then, that means people are more likely to listen to our podcast. Well, there you go. There are some good things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if this is your Christmas day, thank you so much for listening. Now go outside. God, you must be bored. Yeah, get a little bit of air <laughs> and have a little wonder. That always makes me feel better. There will be people of Christmas is a bit miserable, and I totally get that. I, I have those little moments as well. It's a funny old time. It always feels like a lot of pressure. So if you are one of them, I hope you can just chill out, like Phil said, put your feet up. And whenever I get like that, it's just it's just another day. In two days, it's moved on. We've all moved on to mm. other stuff. So we hope you're having a lovely, calm, content, peaceful time, whatever you're doing. Agreed. 
that's exactly what it should be about so anyway thank you for listening to us all this year um if you have been um and let's hope that next year we can continue to have you as part of our little group it'd be nice to keep in touch everybody see you soon 100 thank you very much for listening this is the way we roll presented by simon minty and phil friend you can email us at mintyandfriend at gmail.com or just search for Minty and Friend on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.